Welcome to NREI's Common Area Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the award-winning editorial staff at NREIOnline.com. Let's jump right into this week's podcast. Hello and welcome to The Common Area with your host, David Bodemer. Today, David has a special guest and that is Wendy Mann. David, how are you today? I am I'm doing all right today. How, how are you this week? Oh, fantastic. And I'm excited because you've got Wendy almost in studio. I know we're still uh, we're still pretty far apart, but uh, why'd you bring Wendy on the show today? So w- Wendy Mann is the CEO of the Crew Network, which is one of the main associations in the industry. Let her talk more about, about what they do, but particularly wanted to have a conversation because they have, do this study um, that they just published a new version of that looks at gender and diversity and inclusion within the industry. And just that's, it couldn't be more timely. So I wanted to be able to talk to her about that. So, so Wendy, welcome to the, welcome to the show. Thanks, David. Glad to be here. And yeah, just for any, you know, I think a lot of our listeners probably are aware of your organization, but if you just wanted to take a second to talk about what, what it is that the group does. Sure. I'll give you a brief overview. Uh, Crew Network is stands for Commercial Real Estate Women Network, and we are a membership organization open to anyone. I will say we have 12,000 members. Of those 12,000 members, 4% are men, and then the 96% are women. And we were founded 31 years ago, uh, back in the uh, 80s, when women were just getting into commercial real estate as a profession and were struggling because they had no voice at the table and no seat at the table, in fact. And they felt that if they worked together and supported one another and did business deals with and for one another, that they could actually make an impact. And so they were found, we were founded initially for women to give and get business for one another and to one another and blossom from there. So now our organization, um, we, we have 12,000 members in North America and a global affiliate in uh, the UK. And we have 77 chapters that we established their own organization at the chapter level is in in all various markets throughout uh, the United States and in Canada. And the four primary pillars of our work still remain a business network, first and foremost. And we um, have women doing and talking about deals and giving and getting business to, to and for each other on our online community every day. We have a, our second pillar is leadership skills development, developing the best women leaders in the business. And Crew does that through a number of training programs we offer throughout the year and at their local chapter level. In addition to that, we, we are conducting research. We're the only organization globally that focuses on women and diversity and inclusion in the industry. And we're very proud of the fact that this was a twinkle in someone's eye back in 2005. And this year is our 15, uh, 15 years of data is now available on the progress of women. And then fourth and finally is we are focused on career outreach and developing the next generations of women in the industry. And we do that through programs that we uh, our chapters offer at the high school and university level in the local markets, because we can't advance women in commercial real estate if we don't have women. So we are committed to building a, a diverse talent pipeline for the industry. So that's basically it. In addition, the only thing I would say other than that is that we also have a 501c3 charitable foundation, which also supports the research piece and career outreach. In addition, we do provide 25 scholarships of $5,000 each year to young women in the industry who are are in their undergrad or graduate programs in commercial real estate. 
And over the course of our 30 years, we've actually given away over $1.2 million to young women. And we're very proud of them. Well, well, thank you for that. Well, and I mean, safe to say that uh, you're a very active group and contributing to the industry and in all of these ways. So it's just yeah. Yeah. great. It's a great organization. And I like when we have the opportunity to, to write about it and, and then seeing in, in particular, this, this study that you referenced, sure. this is the, just came out with, with, with the, with the latest version of this. You talked to, as part of this, it's a fa- fairly, it's such a comprehensive study. I think you talked to almost 3000 people within the industry to, to get the findings. So it's, it's a very representative, I meant, you know, it's just a very representative and s- sample with all these insights that get down by job title, geography, et cetera, that mm-hmm. provide this like fan, just this really invaluable, I think, look at what what the state of the industry is. So I'm just kind of curious if you could start off just saying, as you put this together this year, and, and I think especially, like I'm saying, it, it, it seems especially timely, just given the broader conversations that we're having in the United States and in, in the business world about diversity and inclusion and taking it more seriously. So this couldn't come at a more, at a, at a better time to, to kind of like, to gauge where we are as an industry and where we need to go. Mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of curious from just the top level, what were some of the good and bad things that, that turned up in, in this version of the research? Yes. Yeah, so we are, we've released the study on September 2nd. So it's fresh, fresh. And I would just want to acknowledge that we work with the MIT School of Real Estate on the study. And so they have been very good with all the, the data collection and and analysis. But the goals of the study were to, to benchmark the progress of women in the industry And for the first time ever, David, we collected information and data on uh, the Black, Indigenous, and people of color in the industry, both men and women. Mm -hmm. And that has never been done in our industry before. So we are excited that we're setting a benchmark here and now in 2020 so that we can go forward and look at that progress in that area of diversity as well. We wanted to explore the culture, um, workplace culture, and open up some issues around inclusion and belonging. Um, as well as provide information to companies and managers about their values and pri- about the values and priorities of their company or their employees. And so all of these things were part of our goal. And what we found out was that on the upside, I'm going to start with the good news. On the upside, one of the, the really nice things that jumped out at me was that for the first time ever, we've seen an increase in women in brokerage. So we, it grew by 6%. And so I, I bring that up because that is something that SAOR has been working on a long time. And they served as one of our um, underwriting partners this year as well on the study. And so I was glad to see that there was some progress made in that area. Um, in addition to that, I think the other uh, uh, area that I would mention that I think is interesting is really the imp- importance and satisfaction areas is that women and men both agree that job enjoyment is their number one priority. And that has not changed over time. And, but all the other information, I want to be honest with you, is it was very disappointing, the lack of progress. Mm. And so I'd like to hit some high notes on some data that were disappointing to us, I would say. And I hope that this is a call to action for leaders in the industry to say, this is not acceptable. And, and one of those is just so you know from the, the dynamics, we did have an, a response rate that was fair, it was 34% higher than it has been in past years. And that's because we invited the entire industry, all the other industry organizations to join with us in distributing. But what we found out is that according to this study, that 30 that women occupy 36.7% of, of 
jobs in commercial real estate. And that percentage has remained the same over the last 15 years. It's in the, the range of 35 to 37%. Women are still less likely to reach top positions in commercial real estate. And in fact, we saw a decline this year of 5% in women in SVP managing and director partner level roles, which is really disappointing with yeah. all the work we've done the last several years. And then women ha- represent just 9% of positions in the C-suite in the last three studies. So that has remained stagnant. In terms of the aspiration goals, a couple, last study we started asking what, what level of leadership that women re- aspired to. And at the time, only 28% of women aspired to the C-suite. Now, this in this study in 2020, 32% of women aspired to the C-suite and 43% of men. So both of those have grown about 5% over the between this study and the last one, which is encouraging to see that more women are aspiring. What's interesting about it is that if you cross tab out the data, you can see that women who more the, the women who are aspiring to, aspiring to C-suite roles are the under 40 group. Women over 40 did not respond that they would be that they're in, uh, have aspirations to go higher to the C-suite role. We did have a higher response rate this time from women who were, I think, 40 and under, which is good. We think that is an indicator that there are more young women coming into the profession. And so we'll see some shifts in some of the um, cultural questions as well. The biggest thing that probably was disturbing for us was the fact that the overall compensation package, including salaries, bonuses, and commission, the pay gap there was 34%. Yeah. And that's an increase from 2015 of 11%. So I'll stop there and see if anything struck you or if you want to talk about something else related. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, those are those are some of the things that definitely caught my eye in reading mm-hmm. the reading the report. I was I, I found I think in terms of the the compensation, do you have any sense of, of why the compensation has not improved or in fact gotten worse. I, I thought it was one or and related to that, I thought one of the interesting insights was this on the question of commission structures and mm-hmm. whether or not women in the industry have generally been a little more averse to having their compensation as tied to, to commission because of thing, you know, extending other factors like actually having access to the the kinds of deals that would would be more lucrative so you know yeah. like so so it seems like it, it almost speaks to an interrelated set of issues around like okay so if you're in the industry but you're dealing with is it a boys network or is it a question of networking or getting access to these kind of things if you don't have that then you know you want your compensation structure to be more heavily on salary less on commission and therefore does that just create like this just difficulties for moving up in, in the future yeah. If that makes sense. Well, it does. And and I think there are several factors that we have surmised could be play into this pay gap, which one is bias for sure still exists. The barriers, including hiring practice. I mean, their hiring practice could be part of it. And part of it could be the women's reluctance to negotiate better deals from themselves. But I'm not sure if women know going into a commission-based job that they're not going to have access I see a younger group of professionals coming up in our business who have a very entrepreneurial spirit. And um, I think they are more self-confident. And I think that perhaps is why we saw the 6% increase in 
women in brokerage because there's a, another level of confidence. And the younger women are part of a generation that feel equal to men in all ways. And I don't think that they see any barriers. So, you know, I think historically, yes, we have seen women who are less able to or willing to negotiate those deals. But we also see women being kept from the better projects and the bigger deals once within a company. And I think that that probably has some something to do with it. But I think, uh, you know, over the years, I think continued bias and barriers and hiring practices uh, could definitely be part of it within companies. And so when you talk about how do you address that or what's it going to take to change that is companies need to, number one, is the compensation model they're using, whether it's commission fully or partially or bonus system, whatever it is, is it an outdated system? We think that there's probably a better way to attract. If you really want diversity and inclusion, there's a better way to attract and keep women and women of color in the organizations. And that is understanding what matters to them and giving them some of those things that will increase their career satisfaction and make them better producers. And part of that is an equal deal, equal opportunities for deals, equal um, compensation package. And until those things happen, and also we've called on companies and will continue to do so for pay parity studies, do a study internally and look, because I will guess that most of the C-suite doesn't really know the disparity between the salaries within their own company. And we've seen other corporate models like, like companies like Salesforce and Adobe who have done and continue to do ongoing pay parity tests and have committed to that. And it does work. So I think there's a way forward. And I think that we can close the gap and hopefully someday eliminate it. But I think that starts at the top and the willingness to take a, a hard look at the way things are right now and whether or not, number one, there needs to be a new compensation model or number two, you need to adjust salaries to create equality. Yeah, I think I was also struck in the way that it's that was broken down. I think you mentioned that the the overall earnings gap was thirty four percent, but then like by salary, it's only ten percent, and then the Correct. bonus gap was like fifty six percent. So Correct. that that was yeah, that was fairly um, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, like like a, a you know very jarring to see yeah. that that's how that number breaks down in terms of compensation type. Yeah, I, I'd love to go to some additional statistics that dig further into that, David, if you don't mind. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. So, so one of the things that David's pointing out, which is really important, is that overall gap is 34% for all women. But when, you, when it comes to breaking it out, white women earn 10% less than men in base salaries. The gap for Asian women is 14% and black women is 15%. And for Hispanic and Latinx women, it's actually 20%. So that's on salary alone. And that's for people here in equal jobs, right? And right. then if you look at just bonuses and commission, white women earn 56% less than men. Can you imagine that? If a guy, if a man is getting 100K, a woman's getting 50,000 on that deal. But the gap is wider for black women, it's 71%. For Asian women, 73%. And Hispanic Latinx women, 74%. And I believe that that for the BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, and people of color is just an enormous, an unbelievable gap in the commission and bonus structure that really is unconscionable in many ways. And I think that needs to be addressed for sure. And we need to make sure that as we're looking at diversity and inclusion going forward, and you're right, this is a this broader social conversation has really raised this. I'm proud that we made the decision last May to include questions around this because we didn't know the timing would be 
what it is, but it's so impactful right now when you have this data and it opens your eyes to really such a troubling gap for women of color. So um, I think that's important. Do you have a sense of how those percentages compare to other financial industries? Like, is, is, is it as similar to like what you would find in, in wealth management industries or that kind of thing? Or do you know I, you if it's know, any better or worse? Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know for sure, but my guess is I don't know that there's any industry where women are actually winning at the, the right. salary gap. So is it worse? Possibly. I mean, there's, there's a lot of money in, in financial services, financial management, wealth management, but I think, you know, and, and I think I was looking in, in the report because there is a piece on the finance, women in finance. So I can tell you that women in finance, well, yeah, I can look at, so, so David, I don't know for sure on the, the overall financial area overall, but I can tell you in real estate for finance, the, the gap is 13%. So for women, it's a, women make 103,000 in finance and uh, men make 120,000 based on that's excluding salaries and bonus. Yeah, that's just salary. That's salary. And so, and then when I go to, I was just looking at the, the data for black women, their difference related to just salary is $17,000 gap. Now, interestingly enough in finance for Asian women, Asian women make 7,000 more. Hmm. So that's, so that's an injury, but Hispanic Latinx women, $20,000, less. So, so the, the gaps, I mean, I, I, those numbers are just so big that it is so disturbing to me, but, but so the gaps are there and, and will continue to be as long as we're not taking a hard look at that. So, yeah. So I guess that's then, you know, the, the question, which is, okay, seeing this stuff is kind of a rude reminder of, of the way things are. And we are at this point in, in, you know, in, in the industry where we're maybe the kind of conversations that have happened in the past and not advanced, maybe can move more forward into action. So what are, you know, the report did have some thing, you know, some points at the end about like pieces of advice as to try to address some of these things. So I was wondering if you could, yeah. could talk a bit about that. To increase uh, DEI and commercial real estate, I think leaders, we must continue to understand the issues presented in the benchmark study and address them as a business imperative. So this is, these things are no longer a nice to have, but a business imperative. And when I say that, David, what I mean is what's happening in our business world and not just in real estate, but in our world altogether is that your partners and customers are demanding you know, they want to work with companies that share their values for diversity and, and inclusion. And so you're hearing that like kind of external of your company, there's pressure coming in from the sides of, you know, my customers and my clients or partners want me to be doing this. And then you have employees from the bottom up saying, look, we, I want, if you want me to work for your company, I want you to share my values on diversity and inclusion. And, you know, the millennials, they vote with their feet and they're going to walk out the door if they, they work for a company that doesn't. And then you have the top down. So if you can kind of visualize this, this box with pressures coming from the sides and, and the bottom, the CEO needs to be the pressure that comes from the top and really pushes change down. There has to be responsibility, accountability, and commitment. So top leaders need to be invested, involved, measured, and held accountable. And this is an ongoing thing. It's not a one-off. We're going to tweak this, this, and this, and it'll be done. But it, it's an ongoing commitment of the leadership. And that means the CEO. You need to, number two, hire 
we encourage companies to hire an external consultant that can recognize the gaps, barriers, unconscious bias, and then take action to overcome it, whether that is changing your policies, changing governance, changing hiring practices, and and or giving ongoing training and requiring anyone who's in leadership to have some kind of bias training, because there's no doubt that that's an important piece. But also then putting accountability measures in so that the companies can say, here's what we said we were going to do, here's what we've done, and here's the result. And then finally, I think there's conduct a pay parity test and that be do it regularly. Comprehensive bias training is required. And then partner with, with Crew Network. We want to make change, and our agenda is going to be this agenda. And we want to partner with companies to help change the industry and make this profession attractive and equitable for everyone who wants to be here. And I think when you see that, when you see that change, you'll see more diversity and you'll see more commitment from young women and all people of color to be part of this. Because it's not just about recruitment, it's about retention and advancing diverse groups of people once they're in your company. And that takes time and it takes ongoing commitment. So those are some things we would recommend. And, and I always like to include this statement from one of the early suffragettes, she said, deeds, not words, which means we talk, everybody talks a good game, but are we actually following that with the deeds or the actions that are required to make those words a reality? And that's what I would call on all executive leadership to take this study in hand with your team and say, what do we need to do and where can we do better? And here's a I mean, another question just from our perspective as also like thinking about the role that, uh, you know, National Real Estate Investor, we're one of the uh, media brands that's focused on this industry. There's, there's, there's a few of us, but what can also we be doing as platforms in this industry to helping foster the conversation or covering what's happening in a better way? I just feel like we also... I've been covering this industry for 20 years and we do just being like critical of ourselves. Like we occasionally write about what's happening with recruitment or the, or from time to time we write about this. We, we did, we also did a study. I can't even remember if it was last year or the year before a survey about, about occasionally we've done surveys within the industry, not, not, not quite as in depth as the one that you've done, but, but also tried to take a look, but I've been trying to also sit down for the past couple of months and figure out what is the role that we play in this as, as, as part of writing about what's happening in the industry. So I don't know if you have any advice or thoughts for, for us as well. I think telling the stories is really important. Both this, I think there tends to be clickbait where you tell the bad stories, but I think it's also identifying the places and, and the companies and the people that are making a difference and are making change because they set the best practices and the examples that the rest of the industry will follow. And if you recall, the story that on State Street that was done several years ago when they put a stake in the ground and said, look, we're not gonna work with partners anymore that don't have women on their board. You know, that was a big deal. And there have been more companies since then. So I think the more we can report those stories and share those corporate stories about what companies are doing or what success they've had, they become shining lights and beacons for others to follow. In addition to that, I also think that the stories about women's success, um, people of color in the industry and, and their success or changes that have happened that, it, that it's granting them more success. So I, I think keeping that in the, in the limelight is really important, both the, the challenges and the change that's happening as it happens. Mm -hmm. Well, definitely take that to heart. And certainly 
outside of this conversation we're having here, if there are things, examples, anecdotes, highlights that you want to, that your organization wants to share with us, we're, you know, happy to cover it in any, in any of our formats, but whether it's uh, the stories on the website or conversations such as this. So yeah. uh, I certainly hope we can continue to, to be part of, part of chronicling what's happening. Yeah. Well, I would love that, David, and thank you for the offer. That would be great to have a continuing dialogue and uh, have some focus and feature on some of the women in the industry. You know, in fact, we have um, uh, distinguished leaders that we identify women in the industry who are at the top and uh, talk with them. And maybe those are some women that would be suited to your podcast and or um, some other type of content, but they, they would be a place I would definitely start. But I also think I find it so fascinating and interesting, the young women's perspective mm-hmm. as they're coming up and what they view as barriers and what they don't see as all at all as barriers. Whereas my generation, I'm at the tail end of the baby boom. You know, I think we had more struggles where they don't see it, even though it may be there and they don't see it as that, at least not yet, they haven't run into it. So, so maybe taking a look at both the younger generation, the millennial perspective. And frankly, I have to say, I mean, the millennials are very much value-based human beings. And if a company does not share their values, you know, that's a talent war that you're not going to win without the DNI value. So mm-hmm. I appreciate the offer. Happy to, to work forward with that and, and continue the dialogue for sure. Thank you. All right. So we've been talking for about half hour. So this is usually around the, we try to kind of cap these. So I pre- but can you just tell people where, if they haven't seen the study, where, how they can get their hands on it? Sure. If you are interested in more details, and I hope you are, and I hope you'll share this with your companies, please go to crewnetwork.org and click over to our uh, research page and you will find all of our studies there available for free for download, or you can contact our office and we were happy. We would be happy to send hard copies to you and/or your C-suite. Great. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast for for talking uh, talking me through all this. It was extremely valuable for for me personally just to get a chance to to discuss some of this stuff. And I hope, um, like I said, that we continue to try to be part of the process within yeah. this industry. Well, I appreciate it, and feel free to reach out to us if you're looking for some stories. And um, I'll keep in mind. I'll share that with Laura our chief marketing officer and make sure that she looks for those opportunities as well. Wendy and David, this was fantastic. I learned a ton. I really didn't like a lot of those numbers that you put out yeah. there, Wendy. Um, yeah. As yeah. a, as a father and a grandfather of a daughter and granddaughter. Mm. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's a little bothersome, but you're out there, you're in yeah. the trenches, you're working yeah. towards some equality and well, yeah. full equality, not some equality. Let's be honest, full equality, full equality, full equality. Yeah. And uh, so I appreciate you being on the podcast as well, David, you always get the best guests. I just love that. <laughs> so again, both of you, My thank pleasure, you. gentlemen, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. thank you very much. And the last thank you, of course, goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the common area podcast with David Bodemer. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when David comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your colleagues. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at NREI, this is Eric Johnson inviting you back in two weeks for all the stories that matter to you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Common Area Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of NREI or Informa. The content has been made available for information and educational purposes only.